0: Hey guys, welcome back to Oxano. Today we are going to be speaking with Ariana Chow Cheng. She is the owner of Chow Studio. She is a mother. She is a wife. But most of all, she's also a business owner. And her story on how she was able to overcome trauma and an unfortunate situation speaks volumes in this episode. So thank you guys for tuning in and. Thank you so much again for listening it means a lot guys take care hey guys welcome to Oxano. we are here with ariana chow chang as per usual for our remote guests uh, we would usually just roll right along into the let's get deep game i wanted to be able to do that with guests as well uh, in person we are back with our traditional camera setup with two cameras and Assembly Norfolk has been awesome in the fact that we are now in an official podcast studio. So we pray and hope that the audio quality is even better. So moving right along into it, we're going to play Let's Get Deep. Okay. So in both hands, and I'll show you the cards, in two hands that I have, there's the icebreaker cards. Um, actually, I'll even just let you okay. I'll slide them over like it's a, like it's a poker game.
1: Okay, not too bad. Okay. What do Wh- we
0: do? Which one do you oh. do you want to say? Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So I just pick a card and answer it?
0: Yeah. Um, and then just for the audience, if you could say the question too. Okay. What the question is, yeah.
1: I'll do this one. Okay. So the question is, do you prefer to text, call, or video chat? Um, it depends on my mood. So if I'm going to be honest. I text when I don't really want to talk to somebody if I need to just directly get a message to them. Um, Personally, if I'm in a mood and I want to catch up with somebody and show my love, um, either a call or a video chat. It's more intimate. I don't like to text long paragraphs. I feel like it's just I want somebody to hear my voice and hear the authenticity in it. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm like, oh, hey, how are you? Or I love you. It comes off different versus seeing a text message. Um, Long story short, it depends on my mood. (laughs) But um, overall, call or video chat for me.
0: Call or video chat. Mm -hmm. All right. Next two cards. We're going to move on to deep.
1: Huh. Okay, so that one I'm rusty at. (laughs) Um, So the question is, does your family have any cool heirlooms? Um this is kind of difficult to answer um i feel like i i don't want to say i come from a broken family but um i come from a family that came to america with nothing Hmm. and um yeah i i guess i guess so i guess it's the meaning in it right um for me it's the our traditional clothing so my mom she um she hand sewn like a lot of uh, our traditional like baby hats and clothing that we would wear during like special ceremonies or like weddings and stuff like that so um and my dad he is a very handy man so when growing up he would carve um, these spindles that my mom would use for her sewing so yeah i guess you can call those heirlooms right
0: I would say, yeah. I would say, so yeah. I mean,
1: it's not gold or jewelry like a lot of people, but like to me, that those things mean mean a lot to me. So I, I still have, you know, the, my baby hats that my mom made for me as a as a baby. So, yeah, I guess.
0: I'm, I I would agree. I love that. I think when most people say family, especially I mean, because we're Asian, like uh-huh. uh, people think of like jade jade or right, like some, yeah. some type of exotic jewelry Right. Uh, but no like I I agree funny enough uh-huh. you might laugh at me um, in Filipino culture they have ah, dang it I wish I looked it up before we got here uh-huh. but it's, <laughs> it's a coconut scraper that my grandfather would use it's something that you literally like sit on a chair and uh-huh. like at the end of the chair there's like a little blade
1: oh I've seen that yeah no that's awesome
0: so that is like one of the only things that i have left of my grandfather
1: i love that. Is
0: just like the coconut scraper so
1: i mean it has a meaning behind it right it's like kind of slow down and hey this is our tradition and how yeah. we you know do the coconuts and stuff like that so. yeah
0: and honestly i miss my grandfather's coconut cakes like coconut rice Ooh, cakes there you go
1: yeah because a reason to pop it out right and make those coconut cakes you know
0: maybe i should you should. I should nostalgia yeah yeah but moving on to deeper
1: okay hmm that's kind of hard to choose from okay let's see um let's do this one okay name a wish that has come true for you
0: Mm, that is deeper
1: Hmm. a lot of my wishes came true but one wish in particular um, is my husband
0: oh that's so sweet.
1: Oh I, am I getting get emotional? Um, so a little backstory. Um, my parents got divorced when I was very young. Mm. So but in the time that I had my dad, I like to say I had him up until I was maybe eight years old, seven or eight years old because I kind of blocked that part out after he left. Um, but when I did have my dad and he was in my life, Um, he showered me with so much love, unconditional love. I like to say, um, you know, he taught me what love was, you know, like he spoiled me. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money, but like he spoiled me in a sense, like, I'm going to take you to go by McDonald's. I'm going to take you to Walmart and we're going to have our little shopping session. You know, like he didn't have a lot, but he gave me everything in the world that I needed. And his kisses on the foreheads, his cuddles, and just as, you know, reassuring me that I'm so loved and how precious I am. And so when my dad was no longer there, and life got really difficult, I always held into my heart, his love for me. And I said, one day, I'm going to get out of this you know, situation of life, and I'm going to have the best life. And if I have children or a husband, they're going to be so loved, and I'm going to be so loved back. So I've always held that near and dear into my heart. And then um, when I've met my husband, I was like, something's different. He's so soft in the best way. He's so sweet. He, um, on our first date, and he didn't have very much money either. We were both, you know, like young and trying to figure it out. And I was actually a single mom at that time, so I was the single mom of of my oldest daughter, and um, he was like, "I want to take you on a date." I was like, "Okay, you know." So he showed up in a tie and a button up, and I was like, "This is different, like, and you know, if for those of that don't know, I'm I grew up born and raised in the hood." Um, and so was he so I was like a little bit shocked and um, anyways he was a gentleman he opened the door for me mm-hmm. he was kind to me um, he spoke to me in this like just in the nicest way um, very respectful and non-jud- non-judgmental towards me you know and um, he heard me out he listened to me and um, yeah we had like the best date and it was just like fireworks and I was just like is this being real um and one thing that he told me he's like um you know I had it set that the next girl that I'm going to call my girlfriend is going to be the last she's going to be my wife and he asked me to be his girlfriend shortly after and that was here we are now
0: was that the sign where because he said that you're like oh my gosh like I'm gonna get married soon
1: um, I didn't think anything of it at that time. Cause I was just like, you know, ha ha, ha like, right. and, but he really meant it. And, um, he really stood by his words cause he was, he had just kind of stopped talking to a girl. Like they weren't official, but, um, sh- we were together at that time we We're like, we were just still dating, not official just yet, but, uh, she had texted him and, um, he told me already, he goes, oh, she's texting me. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, like you can talk to her. It's fine. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm telling her I'm, we're done. And so I was like, okay, so he's honest, he's upfront and you know, like this is so chill, like okay, I can do this. So
0: How how was that process? Like was there like a falling in love or you were, it was like amicable. It felt right. Like how how was that for you? Both. Both. Wow. It
1: was crazy. Like um our first date we had Okay, so like I said he didn't have very much money, right? So he went and bought us banh mi sandwiches. I don't know if you know.
0: Is he Vietnamese?
1: No, he's La- Laotian. Oh, he's Lao? Okay, yeah, he's Lao. So he, it's his favorite sandwich. And so it is, it's my favorite sandwich too. But he was like, okay, I got his banh mi sandwiches. Where do you want to go? And I was like, oh, I know this spot. Um, so it's in Sacramento. Uh, I forgot the name of the city. But it's like where the rich people are. And um, they were still building homes out there, so there's, like, a hill, right? And my friend and I, we used to go out there and just go stare at the city lights. You could see the entire city. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, I know a spot. So um, I called my friend. I was like, do you remember the directions? And um, so we went. And, oh, my gosh, like, we saw the city lights, and it was just, like, we just had a talk. And um, shortly after that, like, we went to – downtown sacramento where it's like the kick it spot yeah. um and we i don't know i don't know what was happening exactly but we were just walking along the water side because it's like the river and they have like a walkway and fireworks started shooting and it was just like are you kidding me right now like okay this isn't meant to be like what is right, right. and i had gone through so much at that time that that whole moment of just a simple date with this man made up for everything. I felt like I was defeated. Like I was tired and just, he brought life into me and it was just, yeah.
0: Wow. May all husbands and and all boyfriends be able to have the honor of having their, their spouse or their significant other. Um, what's his name? Adrian. Speak about Adrian the way that you do.
1: Oh, Um, thank you.
0: That's, that's amazing. That's really awesome. Um, I wonder what he was thinking. Like,
1: He was I'm... cheesy. <laughs> I was like, you, you're very cheesy. And he was just like, he kept, you know when you're like, you are out of words and you just breathe a lot? Like, not, not in a creepy way, but just like, <sighs> like, just sighing, like, oh my god, like, like that, like, you know, like, just in disbelief. Because I was doing the same thing. It's just like, it's kind of unbelievable, but it's fate, right? Yeah,
0: that's... That's so funny. I just imagine, like, I have um, kind of like this um, romantic comedy scene that I mm-hmm. see where he's like, oh, man, there are fireworks. I wonder if I'm putting fireworks in her heart, though. <laughs> something <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> something like that, especially if he's kind of cheesy.
1: Oh, my God. Um, he's kind of like, yeah, he's like that. His, okay. I love that. Yeah. I love
0: that. Adrian, you go, bro. You go. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm super happy that you were able to experience that. A question, which is even funny, because this is literally, like, the icebreaker round. <laughs> I don't even... Yeah. We haven't even set <laughs> the podcast yet. Um, but how weird is it to give flowers on the first date? So mm-hmm. two dates ago, um, the women that I saw on a date mm-hmm. were telling me that, oh, like, this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. I was like, is... Is that just not a thing? Like, do do you guys just not do that nowadays?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on your age range, right? Or, like, where where your head is when it comes to first dates or something. Um, I I guess it comes down to your authentic self. Like, how do you show somebody that, hey, you're interested in them? Or what's your, I don't know. Um, For me, it's not weird. I don't know. I guess call me old school, but it's like, you know, I feel like if you go out of your way to show me that, Hey, you admire me or like, here's a nice suggestion. I'm going to be thankful for it. Um, but I feel like maybe sometimes women, if they've gone through so much heartbreak and, um, maybe they didn't have the greatest relationship at home or something like, and we'll talk further into that. But, um, I guess it just really depends on where you are in life, and can you accept and receive a kind suggestion? Are right. you can you be thankful, or are you yeah. kind of scared and resistant because of where you are in life? Yeah, you know. So yeah. for me, it's not weird. For me, I think it's a sweet suggestion, and yeah. it's like you spent your time and money to give me flowers, and you thought about which one to give me. I think that's very meaningful. So yeah,
0: and I usually what, I don't try to pick out just roses because mm-hmm. I think that the specificity of the flower. Like a rose is like, I think it's unyielding love. But I would try to go out of my way to look for, I think they're hydrangeas. Yes, those are pretty. Yeah, like I would give those because they're supposed to be a sign of respect. Like you Mm -hmm. you would give, so like me giving the flowers, I suppose, is a sign of respect that like my intentions are they are pure like they yeah well i I, would it be pure if i'm like trying to marry you i don't know are (laughs) we allowed to cuss on here yeah yeah absolutely so you don't
1: come off as a puck boy (laughs) i'm just kidding i appreciate it i'm kidding okay no 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 you're definitely not that i'm kidding but um yeah i think that's sweet and very thoughtful so you give flowers on your dates
0: yeah on on first dates i usually i I think giving flowers every day would be a little too much yes in my opinion Um, but yeah, on a little costly, <laughs> a little costly also. Unless you go to Trader Joe's,
1: right? There you go. I like Trader Joe's, but Trader's um, awesome. no, I think that's a sweet suggestion, and um, you have meaning behind it. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I I try, I try. But <clears throat> moving away from Bo's love life <laughs> and love life in general, um, I I ask this question to every single guest. Mm-hmm. Um, it is when you were a child,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what did you want to be?
1: Huh. What did I want to be? <sighs> uh, I don't know if I'm going to get emotional or not, but um I spent most of my childhood surviving. Um, and I guess I would always dream that I would be a hero one day. I I felt like I didn't have a hero in my life at the time that I needed and I'm thankful for that that didn't come until later. But um, I I used to dream that I wanted to save the world. I wanted to impact the world. I wanted to um, just save somebody because I feel like that was a reflection of my cry for help. Like I was crying for help and for somebody to see me for the longest time when I was a child. And um, yeah, so that was my dream. I wanted to be a hero.
0: What life advice would you give that child now
1: i visit her a lot (laughs) like um i was visiting her actually on the way here um so the advice that i love to give to my inner child is um it's gonna work out you're gonna have a beautiful life um you're gonna be okay and that your imagination will bring you places that you couldn't imagine and till this day, it's still happening. Like, I – you'll figure it out. That's the advice. Like, it's going to work out.
0: Uh, circling back to when you were saying you had to survive most of the time, you grew up mm-hmm. in in the Bay Area? Uh, Sacramento. Years? So Sacramento. not
1: too far from the Bay Area.
0: Gotcha. So I, I'm from National City, San Diego. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're both from Cali, which is yeah. super dope. Um, how how rough was it? Was there just like a lot of gang violence that you had to?
1: Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, so my parents came here to the America. I don't remember exactly because they don't talk about that time. Mm-hmm. But all I know is that they migrated from Laos when the communist thing was happening there. They sought refuge here in America. Um, And missionaries housed them and sponsored them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was difficult for my parents, um, and I do speak my truth, and there's a lot of pain in it, but it comes from a very loving and understanding place. I love my parents, regardless of how life was. I give them grace and a ton of understanding now, Um, but they came here with nothing, literally nothing except um, their family, and... Settling in America with nothing and then having six children together. And my mom, my dad, he he did learn English. He went to college and everything. So he's an educated man. Uh, my, my, my mom, unfortunately, still to this day speaks very broken English, cannot read, hardly can write. Um, but she speaks our language, our native language a lot and it was just very difficult she relied on my dad a lot for all of the paperwork you know like she didn't even go to the doctors when she was pregnant until last minute when she was giving birth because you know well and this is where you have to understand back home is all she knew our culture which is we didn't have running water or electricity we farmed our own foods we raise our own animals. We were self sufficient. We were mountain people, you know? And um I guess yeah, there's a lot of people nowadays go seek that type of life to find peace because of where we are now today in life. But um yeah. that is how we lived. And um so it was difficult for her to kind of transition into this type of lifestyle, the typical American dream. And my dad, he is all about typical American dream. Like get the house, get the children, get the car, you know, like provide, provide, provide. And so they just didn't align in that way, which I understand. Um, But so with my mom, she struggled a lot with that. Um, She did try to find jobs. It was difficult for her because nobody wanted to hire her. And if she did get hired, it was in a factory, hard labor. And she had kids to raise. Um, But... Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. It's, it's, a, it's a lot to revisit, but I like to revisit it anyways. Um, anyways, long story short, when my dad had left, and when I say you leave, they divorced because it's just, like I said, they were on different pages. Like my dad wanted to give us a better life. Um, and my mom, unfortunately, because she already learned the roads of Sacramento, California, she already had a community, of and people. She went to church every Sunday. She gardened in a place that she knew. Like, she was able to make money that way and pay her dues in that manner. So because of comfort for her, she was too afraid to leave and, and search for something better. So she wasn't able to get beyond the capacity of, I already know everything here. Why would I leave it? for my dad he was like this is a horrible place to raise children it's dangerous we're struggling there's no opportunities here so two different perspective right and so my dad he actually moved to north carolina where my uncle and aunts were and they have restaurant businesses out there so he was working there for a bit and he was actually able to work for the company that he's been with for a long time because he did welding out there and um he tried to move my siblings and I and my mom out there. My mom hated it. Like I said, she felt like she didn't belong. She didn't know the streets. She, she didn't have her safe haven, her comfort um, and not knowing much English. And so she took all of us kids and moved back to California. God. And of course we were young. So we had to follow our mom. Right. And my dad was heartbroken and he was angry. He was just like, you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can, but, you know my wife doesn't want to follow me you know and I don't really know too much of what was going on because I know there was a lot of other issues going on but it's just was not healthy for children in general um, but we moved back to Sacramento California and that was where I spent most of my childhood like I said with not my my dad no longer there my protector and my mom you know you can only imagine, she barely even went to the doctors when she was about to give birth. So why? how would she have resources for mental health? She suffered from severe depression. Um, she disconnected from herself. Um, she was just in survival mode. And it was difficult because when my dad had left, you know, my siblings, my older siblings, I'm the second to the last youngest of six, six children. Eventually, they gave up because it was too much of a burden, it all fell on them. The response, you know, being responsible for the entire family. Um, They eventually went their ways. And in the end, it was pretty much me. Um, I had to do the paperwork. And I was a kid, I had to do. And we were on welfare. We're on welfare, government assistance. Um, And, you know, my mom, she raised us very, like our culture. So you can imagine, like, I'm in America, but I'm eating foods that my mom, you know, grew with her hands or like I'm eating a lot of traditional food where we don't go to the. I've never been to the mall up until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I didn't get new clothes. I didn't get new shoes. I got hand-me-downs. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying I was in a bubble and my mom's bubble. So I had no like... I didn't know what it was like to go out and socialize, to go to the movies, to do this or that. I only remember what my dad provided for me, which was he celebrated 4th of July, um, and he took me to McDonald's and Walmart, and that was what I remember, and my mom didn't do any of that with me. Um, Like I said, she was very shut off with her emotions, Um, and I hate to say it, but I've never received my mom's love, ever, ever. Um, I don't a lot of people say they remember their mom hugging them or telling them that, you know, she loves them. I never got that. I never got the motherly nurture love. And I don't say that to like be upset or anything, but it's just that's my reality and I learned to accept it to be able to move on. But she just didn't have the mental capacity to love me in the way that I deserved and that I needed. Um and it was difficult and so we were on welfare i didn't receive that nurturing love and care from my mom um and my dad was absent and gangs you know that was a huge thing at that time in my childhood um i was i even witnessed a murder when i was nine you know we were sleeping and all you hear is just gunshots Um, And then next thing you know, my brother is dragging in his friend's body and I'm nine years old sitting there seeing blood everywhere and like what is going on. And, you know, like um, it and the crazy thing that now that I look back on if a child was to go through that, we would seek professional help. Right. Like go to counseling or therapy. I didn't get that. I didn't even have a conversation um, or anything like that. Um, It was pretty much, oh, that happened. Like, it was normal. And it was always dangerous. I got bullied throughout elementary, middle school, and high school, unfortunately, Um, severely. When I say, like, every day I would go, I would get picked on, or like, I would get tripped. I would be called names. And I eventually, slowly started to shut down. My dad had left. Um, my mom doesn't show me love. Um, like, I was getting bullied every day. I was a depressed child. And I stopped playing on the playground. I stopped singing. I stopped dancing. I stopped playing. Like, any every innocent part of me just slowly sw- got swept away. I tucked it away. And then I had to step into this role of, I got to take care of my mom. It was, I'm going to take care of my mom. Um, and it wasn't like I had a choice. It was like, can you read this for me? You need to go fill this out. You need to go with me to the office and s- tell them that we need the money. Or um, I had to call the phone bill company. And, like, um, all of that fell on me naturally. And it was it was difficult. Um, what was the question again?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just asking um, how – uh, you were talking about, like, survival off mm-hmm. of, you know, how, your childhood. And yeah. And you went really in-depth. Yeah. You know, like, and, and I love it. Like, I'm all for it. Um, actually, do you mind if I interject? Yeah, of course. Um, as a first-generation Filipino, are you a middle child?
1: Technically, I, are, yes. Are you in the middle? Yeah, technically, I think, yes. I think yeah. it's always the middle child. Mm-hmm. But,
0: um, so my family, I would say probably not at the extent of, of danger, but mm-hmm. we were always – it's in poverty we were always yeah. just poor I, th- I think every first generation immigrant yeah like 80 percent, will resonate with us when mm-hmm. we say like we struggled to pay for chicken breast sometimes yeah. it was a struggle to pay for eggs um i made it my life's mission to deliver my family out of poverty so mm-hmm. to speak um and it's going to be the segue of the question that I ask because once I fulfilled that mission, once I bought my parents a, a house to mm-hmm. make sure that they were never homeless or never in transient housing. Um, how did you cultivate compassion for that situation?
1: Um for which situation? Like
0: <laughs> after being essentially after the, the, the power dynamic switch to where like she's supposed to be your mom but mm-hmm. you're the one taking care of her. How did you cultivate compassion? How, how did your inner child heal
1: um, Well, sh- my inner child is still healing. There's still a lot of work to be done. We're never fully healed or moved on for something traumatic. Um, but I feel like we can get to a better place and be in a better place. It's just a lot of reassuring. Um, so it wasn't until one day um, I woke up and I'm already how many kids in three kids in I was pregnant with my third child my son and um, I woke up one day and I go what am I doing you know I really sat down and I thought why do I feel like this every day still I've got everything I've got my children I got my husband I got the home I got the career I've got everything that I worked my my ass off for Why do I still feel, in a sense, the same emotionally? Why do we feel disconnected? Um, And that was the start of my healing journey. I was so fed up. I was like, I worked so hard. Why is it not here yet? Why do I not feel where I said I was going to be? You know, I'm... I'm still young, but I've accomplished all of these things, and it doesn't mean anything at this point. I feel so disconnected emotionally. And that was when I feel like the doors opened. It was a moment of revelation. It was like me just asking that hard question that I didn't need to ask myself. I could have kept going, right? The same pace. But the moment I stopped myself and I asked that question, I started... Like I said, I'm a very sh- spiritual person today. Everything like starting to fall into place. I had to get uncomfortable real quick. Um, spiritual people began to come my way, and um, so a little backstory to that: originally, my people are shamans. So I don't know if you're familiar. Um, it's they practice a lot of spirituality of you know mother nature and tapping into the universe and well, long story short but um so spiritual people started coming into my life and they actually helped me a lot they're like I see so much pain that you're carrying and I know you want to do better and they gave me like tips on what I needed to do on to embark on this healing journey And they even did prayers for me. Um, And so, slowly, I began to heal a lot of pain that I carried with me my entire life. And the one thing that I was really focusing on and keep coming back to is the message of love. So, I wasn't shown that example from my mom, but I was shown that example from my dad. And... The more I find that I learn to love from my heart and practice kindness, even if it doesn't connect sometimes, it brings so much light into my life and other people's lives. And it heals in a way that I can't describe. And the one thing when I was doing the inner work, I kept visiting my, my mom, even until this day, I think about her every day. I think about her and I send my love to her. And I used to be so angry with her um, because, in a sense, there was abuse. I was, um, you know, verbally and emotion like emotionally and physically abused. Um, And I I don't want to say particular who was abusing me, but it was like I was getting beat up almost every day at home. Um, Like, and I was a skinny little girl not only was I getting bullied at school, and I got into fights that I didn't volunteer for. They were, you know, like, they, you know. I never asked for this. Yeah, I never did. And it was just like, okay, well, I guess we're going to fight then. Um, but I hated I hated all of it. And then I'll go home and I'll, I'll get my, my ass beat. And um, and then I'll be, you know, get told, like, all the frustration that everybody cared would be put on me. Like, oh, you're stupid, you're slow, why are you failing school? Or, you know, like. And I was very angry. I used to be so angry. And now that I've been given all of these people that come into my life, that has helped me and shown me compassion, kindness, and love and patience, and told me how much I mean to them and how much I mean to the world, that made up for all of it. That opened my heart back up. And so that's where my compassion comes from. Is that I like to say the angels that came my way eventually. That helped re-remember, you know, who I am. Like everything that I've gone through, my heart is still authentic. My heart is still capable of love. I am capable of compassion, even when I wasn't given that at one point in my life. Like I can give it now, so.
0: I know it's like a super general question that people might ask but I ask this with the full intention of what it means to you. What, what is love? What is love? Um,
1: what is so, love? So when I think of love, I think of unconditional love. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with showing unconditional love even to a stranger. Um, unconditional love is something you feel in the heart, so you don't have to think about it. You just do it because that's just who you are. Like, you choose to be love, right? Like, you choose to be a light in the world, and that's what I want to be. I want to be my best, and some days I have my bad days. But, you know, when I see somebody, I don't know what they're going through. You know, I can show them some love. I can say, hey, how are you? Oh, what do you like to do? You know, can you tell me more about it? Um, What is your goals in life? How are you feeling now, you know? And, well, I think you're amazing, you know, and I think you can do it. Why not just try? Even if you failed, do it again. You know, you'll figure it out. You know, and that to me is unconditional love. It's the smallest little things that truly speaks volumes. And, um, yeah, like for my children, they don't ask very much from me. All they ask is cuddles. Mom, this is my day. Mom, can you help me with this? You know, Or, thank you, mom, for dinner. Like, that's love. That's unconditional love. We don't have to think about it. It's not hard. It's not difficult. You just do it, and you feel it. So,
0: There was a man I met in the military, um, very high-ambitioned man, but I think the way he speaks about his kids, he was extremely passionate about who they were. Mm-hmm. And um, before I give you my compliment, I actually want to give you the quote that he told me. Um, and I don't think I'll butcher it. I might. But it was, to the world you might be one person, but to one person you might be the world. And I think that's a Dr. Cease quote. I'm not sure.
1: It sounds like it could be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I find that listening to your story, mm-hmm. there's no one more deserving of Thank of you. having their their child, you know, give them that love. That yeah. Yeah, like to the world, you might be um, just another Asian girl walking down the street. Right. But to one person, that has nurtured them, that has given them guidance, that you'd be their world. So I think that is very fitting how it kind of comes... I don't want to say full circle because I don't yeah. think any child should have to go through... Any trauma, mm-hmm. um, especially since, well, the the whole premise of having children is to make sure that you grow into outstanding individuals. But not everybody, unfortunately, gets that right opportunity.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. Um, mm-hmm. I receive it, and I I'm so thankful for you right now. So.
0: <laughs> I, I I try. I try. I um. I. I think I do that also in a way. Because life is so short that if you leave words unsaid, mm-hmm. you might regret it. Which is, in reality, one of the biggest reasons that I started the podcast. Yeah. Why I started this entire journey. You never know. You never know who walks into your life, who makes it better. And you never know who you learn from. And I, I actually wanted to, to turn the conversation towards what you do. hmm And I wanted to ask you, what were the origins of Chow Studio?
1: So... through my healing journey like I said that revelation that I had one day I had no idea I was going to be a ceramic artist no freaking clue um it just happened but I remember that time when I began to question my life and I was three kids deep in um I turned to my husband and I said what are we doing with ourselves What do you want to do in life? What have you wanted to do in life, right? He was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, he is such a selfless man. It's annoying sometimes. (laughs) I was just like, stop it, you know, because we had an agreement when I was, we had just started dating, and I was, like I said, I was a single mom previous to him coming into our life. Um, He knew that I wanted to have a career, and he was a, like, a shift lead at KFC at that time. And so we had moved into a little dinky little apartment, one-bedroom apartment. Rent was $500. Um, But that was a lot to us because we were broke at that time, and we had a child to feed. Um, But we had an agreement at that time that he was going to be the main provider, and I was still going to help out with what I can financially while I go to school full-time to get a career that would pay much more um and we did that I went to school I went for medical assisting at first that didn't work out I went back to school did pharmacy technician got an amazing job um that was my first major career because prior to that I was making seven dollars an hour at a warehouse (laughs) and I had worked at Walmart you name it anyways so he supported me with my career first and the agreement was that next, it was going to be his chance to, um, focus on his. And, but then next thing you know, we have three kids. And then he eventually climbed up the ladder with, you know, his jobs and got a better job. We both got decent jobs, right? That was able to pay the bills. And up until that point, I was like, okay, well, you never really got to do what you wanted to do. What have, what do you want to do? And, um... He's like, well, I've always wanted a heroic job. Like, and that's funny because back to what I wanted to be, right? And um, I go, well, what is that? He goes, I wanted to join the military, but my mom said no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, do you want to do it? Because I don't care if you join now. Is is your age too late? Like, um, because he was like 29, I think, when we were talking about this. And he was like, well, I don't know. Like he and like I said he gives so much but he forgets to see himself sometimes and at that moment I was like we're you're gonna do it this time like whatever you want to do I'm down for it right and so he said he wanted to join the military I was like okay well what do we need to do and he went to the recruiter's office he took the test didn't do good went again he studied and mind you we had two kids and I was pregnant um but it was difficult but he studied and he was able to get a position as IT. So after that, I did not hesitate. I said, "We're selling the house." I'm, qu- I'm well, at the time, I was able to take my job because the pandemic had hit. Everybody mm-hmm. was teleworking. I didn't tell them that I left. You know, I was leaving the state. Um, and we, sorry, I keep losing my train of thought. What <laughs> was the question again?
0: Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> It was um, actually I don't I, I'm kind of losing it too. Um, let's let's go back. So um, I was asking you. Wow, I forgot too. I was like so caught up in the story. Um,
1: this is my life every day. <laughs> yeah.
0: You have like a really good way of storytelling. So I was just like the. I'm sorry, time, I get carried
1: away. I'm yeah, just no, like
0: it's, it's okay. Um,
1: what was the dang question? Yeah. What was I? Um, oh, how did it get into Taos Studio? How did that happen? Yeah. Okay. A there we go. There we all. go. I remember <laughs> now. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, long story short. I'm going to cut cut it short. Uh, we sold everything and he joined the military and he went to boot camp for three months. And so I relocated with my dad in North Carolina. And um, then he went to Florida for A and C school. Mm-hmm. I went out there with him, took the kids because we missed him. So we were there for six months. Got a little apartment enjoyed the beach um and then he got his first station duty orders to Norfolk um and I don't know I'm a go-getter person so I always figure things out and I always trust that it's gonna work out so I was like oh there's a velum like we could use that you know so I found a realtor in around this area and I was like hey can you get us a house <laughs> and um He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so he was FaceTiming properties with us. And um, the first house he went to, I said, that's the one. That's going to be our house. And the market was so hot. Um, It was hot. Everybody was competing. But, yeah, anyways, he sight unseen. He got us the house. First offer. Didn't ask over. Um, And we got our home. And then we moved here. When we moved here, I went through a depressed state mm. because. Because he
0: wasn't here? Or?
1: No, he was here. It was because I felt like I was shedding a part of me, an identity that I had known for so long. Mm. I was in a new place. I have my children with me. I was a mom and a wife. And then next thing is, who the hell am I? you know, my career, I just left my career, I was on my way to a promotion, I was going to be a tax auditor, I was going to make bank, I was going to be good, I had a good retirement fund, I worked for the state of California, and I lost a part of myself, I was like, oh my god, I worked so hard for it, you know, but right now, I I really want to focus on my husband and give him this opportunity because he supported me, but then again, it's like, I gave up a part of myself, like, I'm just a stay at home mom at this point, you know? Like it was a hard pill to swallow. And and my husband here he is, bless his soul, he is just like, I want you to I don't want you to work. I wanna provide for you. I wanna give you everything. I go, but I've never been like, I've always worked, I've always had my own money, I've always, you know, been a go getter. Like I don't wanna just be at home and raising the kids and being your wife. Like I'm somebody too, you know, and so um I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take this time and I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to go with the flow and I'm going to freaking trust the process. It's going to work out. And I was like, what do I want to do? Like, what have, what is something that I've always dreamt that I was going to do but never had the opportunity because I was too busy with work or school or family? And I revisited my inner child a lot. And one thing that would come up where I remember pure joy in the midst of the chaos um, was – Like I said, my mom is like a gardener. She has a green thumb. So, and I didn't have toys. We didn't have a lot of money. So my playground and my toys was the backyard, the chickens that we had and the dirt that we had. I played with dirt a lot and it was the best memory. I would make these mud pies um, where I put water and I'll shape it. I remember this one time I made two smiley faces, like the perfect circle. And I took my finger and I went boop, boop with the two eyes and the smile. And I said, this is the best thing ever. And I remember I let it sun dry. I was like, I'm gonna go gift this to my teacher. But then I I ended up not doing it. I was like, she might think this is weird. Mm. But I was so happy in that moment that I made these two smiley face pies out of mud. And I was like, I'm gonna do pottery. I wanna play with mud again, you know, like who knows? So I signed up for a six week class. Oh my goodness. When I touched that damn clay, it was game over. Something clicked. I was like, I'm hooked. I love this. I love it so freaking much. Like, I didn't make anything at first. Like, it was just me learning the clay. Um, but I wasn't frustrated. And I would look all around me. Everybody's, like, sighing and frustrated. Like, why can't I make that? And here I am, zen and just chill. And I'm just like, you know, eh, I'll try again. You know, and since then, I've been doing clay almost every day. And this was just last year in April that I took this class. So I eventually was like, I want to do this. And I talked to my husband, I was like, I love this. He goes, whatever you want to do, do it. You know, I'm, I'm here to support you. And so I actually like, took my own money. And I was not happy at the studio that I was with, I feel like um, I just wasn't respected in a way so I was like you know it pushed me but that happened for a reason like I said nothing happens um by coincidence uh pushed me to go further with this so I invested in a kiln which is not cheap um in a pottery wheel and I started off in my backyard patio with no covering um so I was in the sun every day I was hand washing with the hose and you know I had my own little setup and then um Anyways, long story short, I eventually converted our garage into a studio. It's a small little um, humble little space. But i that's my safe haven. That's my purpose. And sorry, I know that's no, no, thats not how Chow Studio happened.
0: Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I love it. There's actually a, uh, I think uh, Sir Francis Drake says it. It's called Sic Parvis Magna, Greatness mm-hmm. from Small Beginnings. Now, the only reason I know that is because it comes from a video game, but the quote itself just has so much power. yes uh, you say like humble abode and small beginnings, but you you're going you're at like um an art festival winner already, aren't you?
1: So I didn't win it was a jury show. um I wish I would have won, but it's okay. Gotcha. there's always next year. Um, I feel like my style and like i said i um I trust in the process. I feel like I love the East Coast, but my style has a West Coast flair to it. Mm-hmm. And um, right now is I like to say every day is just the beginning of something new. I so long story short, I did small markets, um, local markets for an entire year here. Mm-hmm. Whatever market there was, I sign up. And then eventually my name got out and now like markets are messaging me like can you would you like to participate? I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure, you know. I would go, I would set up and I would talk to people. I would connect with people. I would tell them, show them who I was. I connected with them and um we there, it was a beautiful freaking experience for an entire year. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I think this is my like the purpose of you know, this plays a huge purpose in why I'm here. And so it wasn't until recently where I got really tired of (laughs) doing weekend markets. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for the next step. Um, Let's take it up a notch. So I started making bigger pieces, bigger art pieces that spoke to my soul. Um, And I applied for festivals for the first time, and I got approved to two of them, two huge ones. And like I said, I like to say I still live in a bubble. I'm always curious. I'm always learning. Um, but I had no idea how huge these festivals were until people were like, oh, you got accepted? And I was just like, yeah, I did. I did. You know, like I didn't know. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, awesome, right? Um, so I did the Hermitage... And then I just did the Stockley, which is a two-day festival. I was a hot mess. I didn't have the proper weights. Uh, But like I said, angels come my way. I had the two sweetest men literally stake down my tent for me and give me their weights. But anyways, um, yeah, it was a beautiful experience to have my actual huge art pieces displayed. I got so many wonderful feedback and appreciation and... um, yeah, I'm getting my name out there. I'm working with people that I thought I never would work with. I get a lot of custom orders. And I am just super grateful right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, it from, from the hood of Sacramento right? to <laughs> art festivals and to people ordering custom things mm-hmm. from you, things that you create with your hands when in the past – a lot of problems, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Might have been physical. You're creating something beautiful. You're creating something out of really nothing. Like, I, I imagine clay is like, it, it's, it's, it's malleable. Yeah. But you're able to create art with something that is technically just a blob yeah. until it isn't, until it isn't. Now that you're in this phase of your life, what do you feel like your purpose is now?
1: Uh, first, thank you for your kind words. No um, and what was your question again? Oh.
0: My <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Uh, what do you feel like your purpose is now? Um, is it, is it just to continue with with Chow Studio?
1: Um, my purpose right now, I feel, is still the same. I feel like it's still love mm-hmm. to give love and light into the world through through now pottery. Um, Through being a ceramic artist. Creating my pieces that come from a very emotional place. Um, It's. I can't. It's hard to put into words. It's like. It's just the thing that is just what I'm supposed to do. Like it's natural for me to create a a piece now. It's like. You know everything I make. I feel like I go through this like trance. It's like I don't even think about it when I'm making it. I'm I'm just doing it. Like it's it just fits in my soul and I think about life when I'm doing it. I think about how far I've come. I reflect on like anything that, you know, I need to reflect on and Clay is teaching me a lot about life too. You know? Um and when people come to me it's like, Oh, how do you, you know, make this this or that? or it's like or how have you come this far? And I'm like, you know, Clay has a lot to teach people. Um, it teaches you patience. It teaches you to let go. It teaches you to trust, it teaches you to play. It teaches you to imagine and be with your inner child that a lot of us forget to do, mm-hmm. you know, like you're basically playing with mud. You're playing with dirt, right? And, but you get to create this beautiful piece that lasts forever. But, um, I feel like that's my purpose is just continue to spread love and light and kindness everywhere.
0: Does your company have a tagline? No. What
1: What do you mean by tagline?
0: So like my company uh, with Deseo Media Company, uh-huh. the company tagline is where authenticity inspires hope and like cultivates that. community, which is re- realistically what the podcast on What I hope the company can do in the future is just to cultivate community and and you're doing that inspire hope. Thank you, thank you. Uh, What would yours be? Um, like would it be? I don't know. Clay uh, clay is play, or like the clay can teach.
1: I like that. I'm gonna sit on that, and you just spark something. So I clay can. There you go, and um, credits to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, what is the non-glamorous side of being an
1: artist um the non-glamorous side the starting off financially (laughs) you Um, know like you, you can't expect to have people buy your stuff right away you can't um and the thing about me is that i've been working since i was a child I've been you know I've done farm work I've everything and I feel like that has prepared me up until this point of owning my own business have the vision have the trust and stay motivated it's all about perspective um, but the most difficult part like I said is the financial part in the beginning you don't know if it's gonna poor enough revenue to be where you want to be financially. Uh, fortunately enough, my husband supports me through this journey, right? So we we already own a home. We're, we're set. We're good. But not everybody has that reality, right? That start. Yeah. That start. So, but for me, I, yeah, the financial part was the difficult part because um, I invested a lot into my my studio space but I just had this trust and this knowing that it was going to work out and it is working out it is working out and every like every time somebody purchased even just a mug or um or not one of my art pieces I always express gratitude to the person and to you know to I don't know like I said I'm spiritual like to whoever that's out there that's watching over me the higher power or whatever um I always express gratitude, let's say universe, to the universe, um, for bringing just this one person to purchase my mug that will pay my bills or feed my family, you know, and every time I've done that, i've abundance just keeps pouring my way and just having that trust. but
0: I feel the same way that like for the first episode of the podcast, mm-hmm. I would be happy if it affected one person. And it was definitely more than one, and right. I was like, "This is a phenomenal start already." Because my biggest goal was to make sure that I could inspire one person. If right. I inspired one person out of this and out of this whole endeavor, then I would be successful, and I've I, I could say I've done my part.
1: Can I ask you a question? Of course, of course. So where does this stem from when you say? Because I hear the keywords inspire and community, and just I feel like. Um, making somebody feel seen, a- acknowledged. That's what I'm getting. Where does that stem from, from for you?
0: Mm. It stems from a lot of things, but I attribute it to uh, one of my best friends. His was uh, his name is Hanson King. Uh, he passed away when we were both 18, um, mm-hmm. walking around the streets of LA. Um, luckily, it wasn't, and it didn't have anything to do with like gun violence. Mm-hmm. Still passed away at eighteen, uh, yeah. very young. Because we're Asian, we I think we could use the premise of food. Oftentimes, and at the time we were also very poor, he would consistently say, "Hey, bro, like let's go get Korean barbecue on mm-hmm. me. Like let me let me pay for this." But of course, we would never do it. It was just a dream. Um, and at the time, especially because I was working at a pho house for like $30 a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working under the table for $30 a day. <sighs> there were a lot of unsaid words that I wish I could tell him. Mm. And I think maybe that this podcast could be a love letter to the people that I might have inspired the same way that he continues to inspire me. Mm-hmm. And um I think that the only true reward, at least in my personal opinion, that we could have before we die is mm-hmm. to inspire others. Yeah. Um in in a weird way that I think Shakespeare might talk about it, where he says, like, oh like you're you're hotter than a summer's day. Technically the woman that he wrote that poem about is immortal mm. because she herself is still being talked about because of a poem that this poet wrote a long, long time ago. Yeah. Um, but I actually want to attribute it to the word sonder". Um, The word sonder, coined by John Conig, He's the author of The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Sonder means that everybody else you see is the main character of their own story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In my opinion, um, just just like how I've met you recently, um, your family is a supporting cast, and you're and, and, and you're the main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're your own hero. I mean, especially now.
1: Yeah.
0: For me, it's enough to know that I was like a lamppost of light on the dark side of the street, or maybe a rest stop that's waiting for the bus. Yeah. If it meant that I was there and I could give a person comfort, if I could give you comfort in this time. Um, or give some advice or some type of candor mm-hmm. that that maybe increases their volition and how they live their life. Um.
1: That's beautiful. I sorry. Rest in peace to your friend. Um, yeah. And I think it's beautiful how he's left an impact on your life, and now you're touching other people's lives. You know, th- it's the effect of just somebody's love and presence how it can impact a dream or purpose is amazing to me. So
0: yeah, I and it, it, it's in the same way that you are creating your art. I feel I'm not very talented at a lot of things uh, personally. I failed consistently to get to anywhere. Um even when I was real estate investing, it mm-hmm. was 60 70 rejections of my realtor saying like this is a dumb idea until i found the one that was an amazing amazing return off investment yeah my coaches for muay thai or any martial art that i've ever done have consistently told me that you're pretty bad but it's because you stuck with something that you were able to get somewhere when it even comes to instrument playing because i i'm I'm not a musician, but I I can play a multitude of different instruments, like the piano, guitar, etc. Uh, but I feel like I've always had the ability to try to speak with people and just learn from their perspective. I think mm-hmm. I've always, as 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 are you, I've always been the person to try to be very curious. Not not try even.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it's it's being effortless on being curious, and because of curiosity leads to conversation. And I think conversation in itself can be an art, Mm -hmm. but I also think that conversation in itself is powerful as most conversations start with um, a hello. And oftentimes, most conversations end with very powerful moving events, whether it be- I
1: totally agree. Conversations is what has taught me is my best teacher. Yeah. And to backtrack on what you're saying, how you're saying you weren't good at a lot of things, is it that or is the perspective all of that didn't work out because that wasn't what you're meant to do?
0: I think, actually, I I even lie. I, I remember being the shy kid, the shy, mm-hmm. the shy, really fat Asian kid at the time, actually, growing up. Um, and thinking to myself that, one day, I, I think I'd like to be able to talk to people the mm-hmm. way that others who have inspired me have spoken to me, and I think just over time, it was like I would be the guy that would ask a random like father on the side of the street, mm-hmm. like that's playing catch with his kid, like, "What life advice do you have for me?" Very weird, very yeah. odd. Well, it's not weird. Um, I think when you're 12, like you're, that's not your focus you know, but it was my, right. it, it was, it was just my curiosity. Of-
1: That's crazy because I was the same exact way and I mm-hmm. still am. I still ask the people who say, why do you ask such outrageous questions? I go, am I asking the outrageous questions or are you not asking enough questions? Yeah. You know? I, so yeah, yeah, I agree. I like to think of everything perspective is so powerful. Um, the words, And words are powerful as well. Like the words that we speak about ourselves and others, it does eventually manifest into reality, you know? Um, And I don't think you're horrible at anything. I think you're brave and adventurous for even trying those things that were out of your comfort zone. And I'm sure you learned a lot of lessons in those things. You may not have been the greatest, right? But you did it, you know? And you should give yourself credit for that. And I'm sorry that you know, whoever that was your teacher or like didn't encourage you or see you for even just trying. Um, I think it's amazing that you did those things, even if you weren't the greatest, like I said, but you've now found your purpose, which is right here, right now. Like you're doing it. And I think it's amazing. And you trusted yourself to be able to get this far. Um, but yeah, perspective and words are so powerful. Um, I like to try every day to practice that. So perspective, how can I see this in a better way? Like, is it happening to me or for me? Right. Which one do I choose? Yeah. And the words I speak, is it kind to myself? Is it kind to the person I'm speaking to? You know, and there's, it's not like I'm lying to myself. I'm not. I choose to see good. I choose to see the better side of things, you know, and my life has been beautiful since I've done that.
0: Yeah, I, I would even I, – I would just disagree a little slightly with you on mm-hmm. the fact that I was actually proud that a lot of these people would tell me I was bad because uh, I would look at it as qualitative mm-hmm. um, knowledge that, okay, like I can improve. Yeah. So I've always had the – the inclination to move towards what I'm bad at
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then decide if this is worth putting three times, four times the effort to get better yeah. at. Um, it's for the same example that I am, I can like do my oil change mm-hmm. and stuff and change a tire on a car. Yeah. Please don't tell me to ask, like, please don't ask me to change an engine, <laughs> you know, like yeah. things like that. And yeah, you know, like I, I, but I also admire. In the so I'm like kind of like pivoting around. No, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I admire the the words of affirmation because yeah. that's one thing that I've for my inner child as well that I've mm-hmm. been telling myself is I've actually been telling the little child that you're worthy. Mm-hmm. Like that that's a that's a big one that I've been yeah. reaffirming is you're you're worthy, um, and often. That's how I've measured a lot of life is when I first even starting this media company, um, you mm-hmm. know, my creative director is sitting right there. You know, I at a point in my life I I looked in the mirror, I said, I don't deserve this. I don't I don't deserve it. I don't deserve any of the things are gonna come crashing down, like things are gonna go really bad. Yeah. And it's the affirmations that you know, other, that the angels are away. Yeah. Come on the road. And that we meet, but also having the courage to even tell myself that, yeah, like you can, you can do it. Yeah. Just remember that you should also do the work to be worthy of it, to continually be worthy of it, and that's the way that I've been measuring, um, yeah, my progress, my life. Um.
1: Thank you for disagreeing with me.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> no, I no
1: appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I, it's the nurturing side of me. <laughs> Yeah. That's like, I want you to know how worthy you are. And But no, thank you for um, disagreeing with me. I I ex- I see what you're saying, and that makes yeah. a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it is great to receive positive criticism in the things that we do sometimes. And yeah. it's not always rainbows and sunshine, but um, I, like I said, I just make it my mission to make sure that people know yeah. that, you know, they are valuable, that they are worthy, and that... You know, just to try to see the positive in every situation, even when it's difficult. But yeah, I yeah. do, I see your perspective, and I respect yeah. that.
0: Oh, and I, I appreciate the words of affirmation. You know, I just, it, it's something that I've, I've been trying to also, because I, I generally find myself a very agreeable person. Mm-hmm. But even when it comes to smaller things, I'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. Like yeah, yeah. you're right. But I've been, I think as I get older, um, if there's something that Uh, And it's not like we had, like, a point of contention where I was like, you're wrong, Ariana. Like, that's not how it is. Um, I've realized now that I've kind of just been living my life with the anvil of discipline. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it takes a discipline to know when, like, dang, you're bad at this. And uh, let me get better at this with with time and repetition. Yeah. What are the beautiful sides of your business? Since we talked about the cons uh, or the non-glamorous side, what, is, what are some of the most beautiful things that have come your way?
1: First, the interactions, the connections. Um, you know, I get to talk to people from all ranges of ages, um, from young to older, and it is really refreshing um, because the world is so fast nowadays. And I'm a mom and a wife, so, like, I find myself some days I don't get to socialize a lot and, like, feel like I'm my individual self, if that makes sense. Not that I'm not with my family, but, um, like, it gives me a a chance to learn still because there's so much to learn in the world um, just by talking and connecting. And so that's one of the beautiful sides of it. Um, the other beautiful side is to see my hard work pay off. It's paying off. Um, I am, I'm so damn grateful right now for where my business is and where it's continued ahead. Um, but yeah, all of that hard work I put in, all of that time and patience and trust is working out right now, so.
0: what's one thing that you want to do right now but you don't have time for
1: hmm can you give it a little bit more like yeah
0: so um you've got the house mm-hmm. no, you've got the kids chow studio is taken off mm-hmm. but because you're also busy with all these things yeah. what's one thing that you've been wanting to do but you just don't have time for like
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, some people are like i want to be a chef but i don't have time traveling travel
1: traveling i want to i am going to travel i right now my husband's deployed so we've actually been talking about you know what we've been working our asses off for too long as parents and hard working people when he gets back we're gonna vacation hard Mm -hmm. we're gonna travel and we're gonna do all of the things um but yeah i right now it's i understand that it's not Realistic, But I can still travel with my children, just not too far. Um, but I'm ready to go travel with my husband. <laughs> yeah.
0: What destinations do you guys have in mind?
1: Um, the first place is Hawaii. That place resonates with my soul. When I went there, I feel in love and I felt like I was at home. Mm-hmm. So that's the first place. Um, and then eventually, I want to go visit uh, Laos and Thailand. Um, if I'm able to, depending on, you know, a lot of factors plays into it, but I want to go out there. I want to be embraced in the culture. I miss, you know, I love our foods and I feel like there's so much to learn from my people out there or just any like Thai or Lao or anybody that lives there. Um, but I just feel called to go there. So, and I don't know, I don't know where else. Um, I'm going to go wherever my soul calls, you know, wherever the opportunity lies. Because every time I talk to people, it's like, oh, you should go here. You should go there. So we have yet to discover that. I
0: love that. I love that. Have you considered completely moving? Or are you guys, like, you guys are, like, like rooted in in your lives in America? Like, have you considered moving the family to Laos or Thailand?
1: Um... I haven't thought about Laos or Thailand. I haven't thought about it because um, I know my children. And I feel like that is a very dramatic move. And I don't have family out there. Oh, I do. I do have family out there, but I've never spoken to them. Mm. So it's kind of hard to say that I would move that way. But I'm not opposed to moving within maybe the U.S. to where I feel like calls my soul or something like that um I've actually we were actually talking about maybe going back to the west coast um because like I said my California. yes um I feel like my style of work has that west coast flair to it so I feel like it would be much more appreciated out there not that it's not appreciated out here but I'm saying um <laughs> it's okay it's okay um But, yeah, just I feel like the West Coast is calling me back home for just a bit. I don't know if I want to live out there forever, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the art scene is out like there if we do head back that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd ever want to move back to San Diego, Mm -hmm. but if I had to move back, I I guess I'd move back to – actually, I don't know. I think I'd want to move to – Maybe San Francisco, maybe to give really? one, yeah big city a try. Yeah. like I've never, granted, like I've I've when I was medically deployed to mm-hmm. New York during the height of COVID, mm-hmm. um, I was like living in Queens for a while, and that was fun.
1: That it was a busy.
0: It, it was surprisingly, even though COVID was still a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. This is when the restrictions were were getting much better,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or I'm sorry, were easing off a little bit but the streets were still pretty packed. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine how much how much more packed it would be if if it didn't ha- if if uh, covid was not a thing, but moving to San Francisco, I I remember when I was a I'm sorry, I never moved to San Francisco. Visiting San Francisco, I remember looking back and there's mm-hmm. always just a line of people yeah. walking behind me. So
1: I love San Francisco. Um, that was our go-to place for family weekend trips, but the hills are ridiculous, but it's a beautiful place for food and culture. And just, it's, it's a fun place to be. Um, I can't imagine myself living there. (laughs) I cannot deal with the hills for the life of me. I get so scared when I drive there, but it is a beautiful place. So that would be awesome if you do find yourself living there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see where the company goes. We'll yeah. see where life takes me. Um, but I wanted to ask if you had any last-minute questions. I think we've hit around closing time or so. Are, are, are we still good on time, Just? Oh, no, we're like hour 20. Hour 20? Wow. You were huh. actually going to be our longest podcast. Just, really? Yeah, I think – i think it's also like the the back and forth like candor yeah um but yeah you, you will be our longest podcast sorry
1: yeah. if i'm long with my answers <laughs> no,
0: not at all i mean i think that this, this is what we're going for you know this is yeah all, this is i'm glad and i'm glad that you are our first guest to help us break in this podcast studio so it means a lot
1: um i'm honored to be here like i said uh prior to us coming into this room i felt like you're the one that is supposed to interview me and put my story out there so i'm honored i am truly honored
0: well thank you very much i mean I, i'm honored that you could come on as a guest um but yeah i wanted to ask if you had any uh closing thoughts or any closing questions that you might have
1: um Hmm. I can't think of anything. I feel like you, you've been awesome this whole entire time. I mean, do you have any questions for me? I mean last minute questions?
0: Um, I would say if you could give any life advice to the young women that, were, that might be in the same position that you were in, uh, when, it, when it came to your childhood, or even now, like life, life advice to yeah. young women and young men now.
1: So, I am a huge believer that representation matters, um, especially as being Asian American and parents who are immigrants. Um, The best advice that I can give is to remember to see yourself, to always discover yourself. Um, Don't get lost in life too much, Um, always stay curious. And even if you feel like you're out of place sometimes, which a lot of us do feel like, know that you're not alone. And that when you share your story and just be who you are authentically, you've already lived your purpose. Um, But yeah, that's that's the best advice I can think of right now.
0: Well, it means a lot. Uh, actually, but before we leave, mm-hmm. uh, you said you had a gift for me. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see it.
1: So I got you a little <laughs> gift. Um, you can open it and see it.
0: Hey, yo. <laughs> did, you, did you make this?
1: I did. So I made everything from the handles to the entire shape of it, everything, the colors.
0: Yeah, this is this is such a beautiful mug that Thank you. tea time coffee time i'm throwing away all the mugs <laughs> that i have i'm only using this one this is gorgeous
1: i didn't realize how sacred a mug is like it plays in our everyday role we wake up with it you know like we drink our coffee this is the first thing that we are greeted by you know and mm-hmm. yeah mugs are sacred so
0: <laughs> i love it where where did you get the um, how did you get the the, the blue on air?
1: Um, so I don't know. Are you familiar with pottery? Not at all. No? So the clay, that's the actual clay body color that you see the beige part right there, the white, off-white. And I took color, the, it's called underglaze, and I mixed it with a soapy concoction or like mixture, and I blew bubbles on there. Yeah. Bubbles Okay. So I got, like all I right. said, my inner child comes to play all the time with pottery. I was like, ooh, I'm going to do bubbles. So
0: I love it so much. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. No, thank, thank you for having me.
0: Well, I would say that's a phenomenal place to stop. I got a gift, and <laughs> hopefully, that you had a good time and that
1: I had a wonderful time. It was a great time.
0: Thank you so much. Guys, this is Ogzano. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Ariana, for this beautiful mug. Um, it is by Ariana Chow Chang of Chow Studios.
1: My Thank pleasure. You so much.